welcome back to Switch Podcast. I'm Jake. And I'm also Jake. And today we have a very special episode. Today we have former NFL tight end Daniel Wilcox. Daniel, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. How has your day been today? Been good, JC, man. Thanks for having me on the podcast, guys. I appreciate you guys being very diligent and just being patient with me, man, to be able to get back to you gentlemen so we can actually put this podcast together. Um, Love what you young men are doing, and I think it's pretty awesome, man. Keep up the great work. Thank you. Our first question is, what got you interested in football? J-Dub, that's a good question, man. Um, My mom, so when I was five years old, my mom decided to take me out to get me involved in something so I didn't have idle time, you know. Black moms, guys, they always say idle time is the devil's time. So when a kid got too much free time on his hands, it's a problem. You know, the devil get a chance to get his hands on you, raised in the church. So my mom took me to the football field and got me started. I was this little short, fat, chubby kid. And I was like, man, my all these guys look huge. I was terrified. I was scared. Didn't really want to play the game. Um, and it's just, you know, when you see guys in pads for the first time as a kid, they look like robots, you know, like big robots because they're tall, lanky, skinny, tall, lanky kids look like they're a lot bigger than what they are when they put pads on, you know. So me being more of a, a short, stocky kid, you know, those guys look huge to me when I saw them in pads. I didn't realize how big I looked in pads. All I could see with my eyes was how big they looked, you know. So she took me out, got me started. I say by the end of that season, I fell in love with the sport and never looked back, never missed a year. So, uh, like, did you play a bunch of positions when you were younger? And then, like, how did you eventually, like, become a tight end? Like, how did that become your full-time position? So, when I first started, I actually played center. So, I don't know if you guys know what the center position is. It's playing the guy that snaps the ball to the QB, right? Yeah. You know, so I I started off playing center. And I was a, you know, I was an athletic kid even even then because I was the best center in the park, like, instantly almost. I was one of the best linemen they had in the entire park. And um, every year, I think I leaned up a little bit more. I got a little bit taller. By the time I was towards the end of my park ball career, I had to move from center to tight end. So I let you know I got better, you know, faster. I, I slimmed up a little bit, got a little bit more taller. So started playing tight end. And then by the time I got to middle school, I left park ball, went straight to middle school ball. I was playing fullback and linebacker by then. And then I started running track as well. I was already playing baseball. I've been playing baseball and football since I was five. And then when I got to middle school, I started running track as well, added track in baseball, football, and track. I started getting really fast. One year track just changed my entire game. So my, by the time I was in the eighth grade, I was playing like tailback and linebacker, outside backer. And when I got to um, high school, I started on varsity and basketball and football and baseball. And I ran track as well. And um, by the time, um, By the time I was done by my freshman year of high school, I was playing wide receiver and like scat back, which is kind of like a slot back position. And um, I played pretty much slot back and outside linebacker or Sam linebacker who was in a 4-3 defense um, all the way way through high school. I kind of played that position and wide receiver. I was a Z receiver as well. And then that got me into college, went to the junior college to play wide receiver. They took the defensive side out of me altogether and just play only wide receiver through college. And then I got to App State when I left Georgia military, went to App State. And then I I was a receiver my first two years at App. And my last year, I moved to tight end and that got me into the NFL. So... What who were some players you liked watching growing up? And did you have like a favorite NFL team that you watched and followed? I, I kind of fell in love with teams based off players, you know. So I was one of those guys that 
You know, if it was a player that I really like, I grew up watching Deion Sanders, me being from Atlanta. So Deion was, of course, one of my my the biggest guys that I looked at and said, man, he's dope. I was a huge San Francisco 49ers fan because of Jerry Rice. I really love Jerry Rice. Since me being in the receiver position, uh, he pretty much taught me how to run routes just watching him play at San Fran. And, um, and then also Bo Jackson. I thought Bo Jackson was probably like the dopest freaking player. He was playing baseball and football. So that was me since I was a kid. So I kind of fell in love with Bo. And he had all the commercials, the Nike commercials, the Bo Diddleys, the Bo Knows. You know, so he just was a phenomenal athlete to me. Was really impressed by Bo Jackson. I wore number 34 in middle school because of Bo Jackson. Uh, because of Bo Jackson. And then um, in baseball, I kind of fell in love with Ron Gant. Um, he played for the Atlanta Braves. So I wore number five. I wore five in basketball. I wore, I wore five. Um, quite a bit in baseball, basketball, and then in basketball, I mean, in football, I wore number six because there was a guy at the University of Michigan by the name of Tyrone Wheatley and a guy at Notre Dame by Jerome Bettis. And they both were, they both wore the number six. And I just thought that number was a sweet number. Every time you touch the ball, I tried to go score six points, you know, so I kind of thought that was a pretty sweet jersey to wear um, to a guy that ran the ball a lot of caught passes a lot. So every time I touched the ball, I tried to go for six points. Um, so I wore six in high school and six in JUCO. And then when I got to Appalachian State, I changed my number to number seven. Um, no no particular reason. I didn't have six. Six wasn't available. Seven was the only thing available. And I thought since John Elway wore seven, I thought that was a good number to wear. So I rocked seven. So you, you mentioned uh, you went to Georgia Military and App State. So could you kind of talk about like that whole what your whole college experience was like playing at two different colleges? Whew, JC, that's that's a. That's a big question, man. That's a that's a long, lengthy answer for you. So, so Georgia military was a it was a circumstance decision, if that makes sense. I committed to the University of Georgia out of, out of high school. I was one of the top receivers coming out of Atlanta, and me and Patrick Pass, Francis Grant, it was a bunch of us that committed to the University of Georgia. We was all going to Georgia to be the best, to know the best, the next best thing to kind of be what Georgia is right now, where they're kicking everybody's butt. You know, we thought we was going to take over the world. And um, I ended up not having my foreign language requirement, you know, coming out of high school. So that made me ineligible to go Division One. So I had to go to the junior college route because of that. Um, my my head coach in high school, Coach Freddie Jones, told me about Georgia Military College. And so I, I went over to GMC for a visit. And I it wasn't somewhere I wanted to be, to be honest with you. I was kind of mad at myself as a young man at that time. And I knew I was getting my life started. So I wanted to put myself in a position where I can grow and have a chance to really focus. And the military aspect, the Georgia military, you know, taught me a lot of discipline and a lot of structure. So I decided to go there to kind of give myself an upper hand so I don't make the same mistake twice. And it was really just discipline why I didn't why I didn't get my foreign language requirements. It was I, I passed the first year with flying colors, the second semester I failed it. So I didn't have my two requirements and kind of screwed myself. And I didn't want I didn't want that to happen again. I wanted to be able to focus. I didn't want to be distracted by anything. Millersville, Georgia is like a little small country town, and Georgia military and Georgia colleges is the only thing that the, the town really kind of had to offer at the time. You know, so I knew I could just go to school, be focused, not worry about distractions, the big city life of Atlanta. And just, you know, just focus on football in school, man. And that's what I did. Graduated there with almost a 4.0 GPA. And then I transferred to App State. And this, I kind of chose App State for the same reason. I wanted, First of all, I wanted to win. Winning was always important. Georgia Military was top five in the nation when I signed there. App State was top five in JUCO when I signed. I mean, top five in FCS when I signed there. And um, 
I decided, you know, App, App was kind of the same thing, a little small country town up in the mountains, freezing cold. I hated cold weather at the time. I felt like if I was going to have a shot to play in the NFL, I needed to learn how to adapt to play in the cold. So I wanted to kind of challenge myself to to accept the cold weather and play good in that weather and be able to play in that weather when I get to the next level. Because I, I had plans on going to the NFL ever since I was a kid, but didn't know if I had a, I didn't know if I was going to have a legitimate shot. So um, I put my best foot forward and, you know, one thing led to another. And next thing you know, I'm in the NFL. So what was it like signing as an undrafted free agent with the New York Jets? What was it like signing as an undrafted free agent? So I could talk to you first about draft day. So I remember going through all my pro days. I didn't get invited to the NFL combine, but I had a lot of coaches and scouts come and try and work me out at App State. I killed my pro day at App State. I ran like a 4 4 5 40 in front of all the scouts. And then um, a bunch of scouts took notice. They watched a bunch of my game film. They saw how dominant I was on the FCS level. And a bunch of them started telling me they think I can play on the next level and they think I'm a diamond in the rough. Um, my coach at Baltimore, Wade Harmon, he actually told me he thought I was the best athlete that he worked out that year out of everybody that he had trained and you know worked out. And draft day, I knew I wasn't going to get picked up day one. Everybody told me I may be a late rounder, like a fourth, fifth, or sixth, or seventh rounder, more like a fifth, sixth, seventh rounder. So day two was really like my day. I waited around for the, you know, the fifth round to go. I figured I'd be a sixth or seventh rounder. And I got a I got a couple phone calls. You know, they told me if I was gonna be around when the next pick come, if I was still around, be ready because they're gonna probably select me on the next pick. And that pick came and went. I had two phone calls. Nobody signed me. Um, so my little hopes of getting drafted was kind of crushed really, really quick. As soon as the draft was over with. Um, but soon as the the funny thing about the draft, it's like it's like being in a room by yourself, but you got 32 women looking at you like, Hey, he's really handsome. You know, I want, I really want him to be my boyfriend. Now all 32 of those teams are picking you. So all 32 of those women are picking you. And as soon as the draft is over with, as soon as that clock, as soon as that clock buzzer and the draft's over, that last person gets picked, all of a sudden the cards turn. Now I'm looking at 32 teams trying to figure out which team I'm going to go to. Cause now, now my phone's ringing off the hook all of a sudden, bling, 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 bling. Everybody's calling like Wilcox. We know you didn't get picked up, man. We're really interested in you. We think you're a great spot here in New York. Thank you. A great spot here in Tampa. Thank you. A great spot here in Dallas. You know, you get all these phone calls and it's, it blows your mind. Like it really blows your mind. It's like, dog, you didn't know 16, 17 teams were really interested in you. And now all of a sudden they all calling you, inviting you to camp, but you got to make that decision quick you don't have a lot of time because every they calling everybody else at the same time. They calling you because they don't want to miss out on players, you know. So I kind of went through it back and forth with my agent, asked him what he thought would be a good fit. While we while we kind of took our time just looking at the rosters on the teams, you know, a bunch of teams started to fall off, and it came down to you know like Baltimore, the New York Jets, the Giants, and like two or three other teams. And once I looked at the rosters. I really wanted to go to Baltimore. I thought Baltimore was a great fit for me. They drafted Ty Heap in the first round. I know y'all know who Shannon Sharp is. They had Shannon Sharp. Shannon Sharp was a starter at the time. And then the Hall of Famer Ben Coates was like the number three guy. And then they had another guy that was a high draft pick the year before Ty Heap came out. And um, he didn't play that much his first year. So that was I was already going to be number five in Baltimore. And when we looked at the Jets roster, um, they had a guy by the name of Anthony Beck. He was out of, out of West Virginia. He was a first first round pick the year before. And then they had another guy who was a starting long snapper, James Durth, who ended up becoming a really good friend of mine. And um, he he was a he was more of an old school traditional, you know, big thick guy, you know, kind of 
hybrid lineman type that could kind of run a little bit, big meaty hands, but he was a really good run blocker, solid guy, get his hands on you, you can't get rid of him, you know, and he was totally different from what I was. I was a 200 and maybe 25, 28 pound guy that could run around a 4 4 40. I was basically a hybrid wide receiver that could block. You know, and um, it allowed me to kind of be more versatile than everything they had on the Jets roster. So we chose to go to New York because I felt like that was the better opportunity for me. I would have been, I would, I would have been competing automatically for at least the third spot versus competing for the fourth or fifth spot in Baltimore. You know, so I felt like that would give me a better opportunity to make the team. I chose to go to New York and pretty much never look back, man. It was a, it was a really cool experience to kind of see how the the dynamics change from somebody picking you and choosing you to all of a sudden now the ball's in my court. I get to choose where I go. You know, the ones that skipped out on me, if I hold a personal grudge, I can not go there and I can go exactly where I want to go. So I felt like New York was the best fit. I was the Jet. You know, after the Jets, you went over to Tampa Bay with the Buccaneers and you won a Super Bowl champion. So, like, what was that whole experience like, you know, winning the Super Bowl? That's a great question, JC. So, So in Tampa, I mean, in New York, my first year with the Jets was a really rocky year. So I got, I kind of got, I kind of got a rude awakening to what the NFL really was like, you know? So they started off my first day of training camp. I got hurt. I hurt my calf muscle and I didn't, I thought I was going to be just like any other team I've ever played on. They was going to give me a, like a, a little time to heal, but they told me I was going to be out three weeks Well, three weeks is pretty much all the training camp. You know, the first two weeks, the first week and a half is like two a days, three a days. And then after that first week and a half, you prepping for the first game and then you play four preseason games. So me missing three weeks with three, four weeks, it would automatically put me to the last preseason game. So I got hurt the first day, like day three, I was getting treatment for two, three days. And then day three, Herman Edwards came up to me and was like, hey, man, um, we we I think you I think you had a great OTA mini camps, man. Uh, how how your calf must have feeling? Says killing me, coach. But I mean, I, I'm gonna push through it. I'm gonna do everything I can to get back out of there as fast as I can. And he was like, man, you had a great OTAs and mini camps. Don't worry about it. Just get yourself healthy. If you once you put these pads on, I kind of got a good feeling you're gonna be just as good as you were out out of pads once you put the pads on. If you do half, half of the stuff you did, you know, in that you did out of pads in pads, you're gonna make this team hands down. So he kind of left me with a lot of confidence. I felt really good about myself after having that conversation. And then he turned around and they cut me that same exact day. So it was my first time ever in my life being cut. You know, I, I don't know if you guys have ever been cut before, but it's not a good feeling. It's kind of like having a girl dump you in front of everybody. You know, so you go out with this girl, she's really, really hot, and everybody thinks she's really beautiful. And all of a sudden, you are, you're, in, you're in the courtyard or you're in the cafeteria, and then she put it on display for everybody to know that she's just breaking up with you in front of everybody. It's pretty embarrassing. You know, you kind of don't want to show your face around town. You won't want nobody to see you. You kind of duck out, you get in your car as fast as you can to try to split and try to get out of town so you can avoid every, all the questions and stuff that people are going to ask you, you know? So I, when I got cut, I dropped, I dropped my truck. I drove back home to Atlanta. I remember calling my mom and I'm really thinking my, my dreams are over. Like really thinking everything I'm crying. I'm on, as soon as I heard my mom voice, I literally broke down in tears on the way back home to Atlanta. And Atlanta, I don't know if you ever did that drive from Atlanta to New York. It's about a 15-hour drive, 12, 15 hours. So I jumped in my truck at about 8 o'clock, 9 o'clock at night, drove all night long, all morning long, got back into Atlanta like 10 o'clock the next morning. And, um, and I mean, it was, it was tough, man. I thought my career was over with. Me being hurt, sitting on the couch at my mom's house trying to figure it out, 
Um, about three, four weeks later, I got a call. I, well, my calf muscle started to feel better. I went out to play the game of basketball. I was dunking, catching alley-oops, running up and down the court. It was like nothing never happened. All I did was rest for like two or three weeks. <clears throat> my calf muscle was 100%. I called my coach back in New York and said, hey, coach, man, my, my calf feel good. They literally cut the guy that they brought in to replace me within the hour, put me on a plane, flew me back to New York from Atlanta, and then I made the team in one day. I had, got, I had to get prepped to play Philly that first week. I played Donovan McNabb and the Eagles and uh, went down to Philly. We won that game. I made the I made that team off one play in that game. And um, I, I once I made the team the next week in 2001, I know y'all have heard of the 911 incident with the Twin Towers and all that stuff. That was my rookie in the league. So my second week in the league, they ran, they flew the planes into the towers in New York while I was with the Jets. So I got a chance to experience all that stuff firsthand. That same week, they activated me to the active roster. So it was my first time ever getting cut, ever getting re-signed. Um, I had to get cut again to get added to the practice squad. Then I had to get cut again to get added to the active roster. Then later on in the season, they cut me again and put me back on the practice squad. And then um, that second year, when I came back to New York, my second year was phenomenal. You know, I thought it was going to be a really great year. I put on a bunch of weight they wanted me to put on, came back like 255, thinking I'm going to go play tight end and fullback for the Jets. And they couldn't figure out what to do with me. They put me on the practice squad all year long. And by the end of that year, my year two, I became really, really, really depressed, really stressed out, you know, just not knowing if I was doing the right thing anymore and started to question whether or not football was the right sport for me. And um, I had to pray to God and ask God what I should do next. I was actually contemplating quitting football for the first time in my life and trying to go get a regular job and just be a regular person. And um, I got a call from Tampa Bay that same week asking me do I want to be a Buccaneer. And I was like, heck, yeah, I want to be a freaking Buccaneer. You know, get me out of this cold weather in New York. Get me back to the South. I was all for it. My agent asked me if they, you know, Tampa wanted to know if, if the New York Jets wanted to compete. Um, and offer me a scholarship to match whatever Tampa was going to offer me, would I consider it? And I told him, no, I wouldn't consider it at all. I was really kind of upset with the Jets because I was on the practice squad the entire year, never got activated. I played more games my rookie year, didn't even get a chance to play my second year. So this was like week 10, week 11, and now I'm going into the – now I jumped on the plane and headed to Tampa to the Bucks, and I got new life all of a sudden. And I come from playing with some of the best players – you know, in the country with like Curtis Martin and Richie Anderson and then uh, Vinny Testaverde, you know, Wayne Krebet, um, you know, Mo Lewis, Sam Garns, Sam Coward. So we had phenomenal defense, great offensive players there. And I went down to Tampa and now I got Warren Sapp, Keyshawn Johnson, Mike Allstott, John Lynch, who's the general manager for the San Francisco 49ers right now. But just a ton of Hall of Famers, Simeon Rice, Michael Pittman, Mike Allstott, you know, we loaded down in Tampa and we went to the Super Bowl and won. You know, we we really ran through everybody in the in the postseason and um all those playoff games kind of seemed like they went kind of fairly fast, man. It was like a blink of an eye. All of a sudden the confetti's dropping. You know, we blew out the Oakland Raiders playing against one of my hometown heroes. I, I mean, I love Jerry Rice. So we actually got a chance to get to play against Jerry Rice in the Super Bowl that year. Um, it was probably one of the coolest experiences I've ever had in my life, just kind of see Jerry Rice in person. I've been watching him on TV as a kid my entire life, learning how to run routes from rewinding back those the, the DVD player back in the other day. I mean, not a DVD, but the VCR. You guys probably know what a VCR is, but I'm rewinding back those old VHS tapes, you know, trying to see him run his routes and trying to learn all the techniques and steal everything I could to try to be the best version of myself. 
tougher than I could be, you know, but we ended up beating Oakland about 48 to 21. And that was basically the end of my second year in, in the league. Like it, it was capped off really, really nicely and was extremely blessed. I asked God to give me a sign and he couldn't come with a better sign that I was doing the right thing at the, at the right time. So what was your whole experience with the Ravens like? What was my whole experience with the Ravens like? The Ravens was probably the best experience I had the entire time I was in the NFL. The reason I say that is, is that's what I got my first start, my first official offensive start. You know, I started special teams as a freshman in, in, in New York, as a rookie in New York, and I got a chance to play a bunch with Tampa that second year in Tampa Bay. But um, the, Baltimore, to me, is my second home. Like, I, I fell in love with the city, fell in love with the fans, fell in love with the stadium, you know, fell in love with my teammates. I mean, you talking about every team I went on from the day I stepped foot in the NFL, every team was better. You know, Baltimore was a step above what Tampa was, you ask me. And the reason I say that is because I feel like Derrick Brooke was probably the best linebacker I had ever seen with my own two eyes when I was in Tampa. And then I get to Baltimore and all of a sudden I got Ray Lewis. You know, not only do I got Ray Lewis, but I got Terrell Suggs. You know, not only do I got Terrell Suggs, but I got the best safety I ever seen play the game, Ed Reed. You know, and it just it was it was such a phenomenal experience, man. Um, um, when I, when I started to think about my linebackers that I played with and played around, you know, I had Bart Scott. He's doing commentating up there right now. Um, and he's killing it. You know, after football, he's doing his thing. He's one of the best linebackers. I said I had Ed Hartwell, who was supposed to be the next Ray Lewis, got a ton of money to play for the Atlanta Falcons after he left Baltimore. Um, we were stacked, man. Jared Johnson on the other end of T, T Sizzle. Um, my my cornerback was Chris McAllister, one of the best cornerbacks I've ever seen play this game. To me, is should be a Hall of Famer one day. Samari Roll is another legit guy from Florida State that was really phenomenal corner, man. And um, played with a bunch of great guys. You know, Corey Ivy. Um, a couple of those guys are still my best friend to this day. Um, on offense, we was loaded, we were stacked. You know, um, we we I played with Ray Rice my last year in Baltimore. I played with Joe Flacco my last year in Baltimore. Um, the receiving core, Derek Mason, Mark Clayton, Demetrius Williams, played with some studs, Clarence Moore. And we just had it. We had a great, we, I felt like we, we was in place to win a Super Bowl every year in Baltimore. You know, we, you know, when Steve McNair came in to be our quarterback, that's when things turned around. When Dion came out of retirement, he came to play with us in Baltimore. So I got a chance to play two years with Dion Sanders, another guy that I watched here as a kid in Atlanta, you know, growing up. And I got a chance to suit up and, you know, sit right next to him in his locker. His locker was right next to mine and became really, really close, man. And it was just a phenomenal experience. Baltimore, Baltimore gave me a lot of firsts and um, a lot of things that I'll never, ever forget and a lot of memories I'll never forget. I got married to my wife on the 50 yard line on M&T Bank Stadium, you know, at Ravens Stadium, you know, on national television. So it was, um that place has, it holds a special place in my heart. I'm actually going to Baltimore this weekend to do an autograph signing and um uh, and, and an autograph signing and a, to be on, to sit on the panel and talk about football life and stuff like that, man. It, it should be pretty interesting, man. Um, But Baltimore, I love Baltimore. Um, coming out of the tunnel, I don't know if you guys have ever been to a, a Ravens game at home before, but if you ever got a chance to see Ray Lewis come out of the tunnel and they change that song up and they put that Nelly song on with the dog that barks in the beginning like, <laughs> like Scooby-Doo, and then Ray does the little thing where he picks up the grass and smells the grass and drops it, and then he starts doing this little swirl dance off to the side and stuff, man. It's, and then the, the 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 music drops, the crowd erupts, the pyrotechnics blows up, it's smoke everywhere. You look across the field and look at the other team, they all over there like this. 
it's, it's such a funny experience, man. But it was great, man. Baltimore was probably one of the best places I think I got a chance to play. Tampa was dope. New York was dope. But it was, it was nothing to me that compared, like, Baltimore. I was a five-year starter there. I really kicked off my career starting almost – I started in every single game I played in as a Raven. Um, had a lot of great memories, a lot of great catches, a lot of touchdowns, a lot of great blocks, a lot of special teams tackles while I was there. I got a chance to earn the captain label on special teams. And um, I really got a chance to develop as an NFL football player. It took me four years to get there, you know, but once I got there, man, it was it was a pretty phenomenal you know, feat for me. So now you also have a like still do stuff with the Ravens as you have a podcast with uh, the reporter Bo mm-hmm. Smolka. So like, what's the experience been like doing that podcast? And you know, you know, what's like doing that every week? Um, it's keeping me media related. You know, like when I played in Baltimore, I had my own television show. It was called Inside the Locker Room. It was me and Bruce Cunningham. He was a Fox Five reporter up in Baltimore, and uh, we did a TV show for about probably two or three years. I also had my own blog with the Ravens you know, on their actual web page. So when you went to BaltimoreRavens.com, it was a blog on there. There was a weekly blog called 83 Degrees blog, and that was my jersey number, 83. And um, I did that blog all the time, and I did a ton of freaking radio interviews. And one thing I kind of learned, you know, after I got cut from Temple my second year in the league, was that, you know, when you get an opportunity to do something, fellas, you got to take full opportunity, and you got to squeeze the juice out of everything. You got to really – take advantage of every opportunity that opens up for you. Every door that opens, you can't just, you know, walk through it slowly. You got to kick that door wide open and you got to be aggressive as you go through that door. And I learned that when I got cut and I felt like I didn't embrace the NFL for the opportunities that it actually presented for me. So when I got to Baltimore, I really did everything I could to never say no. And if anybody asked me to do something, I did it. You know, I went and did a bunch of stuff in the community and I stayed on the radio. So a lot of the reporters got to know me very well, you know. So doing that podcast with Bo Smoker kind of puts me back in Baltimore, even though I'm back home, even though I'm back home here in Atlanta. It keeps my name kind of current in the city of Baltimore and it keeps giving me opportunities because I get a chance to talk about the team that I love so much, the Baltimore Ravens. You know, the Ravens paid me for a long time for five seasons. And um, they gave my family an opportunity, to, you know, to be a different type of family and put us in a different different financial bracket and financial situation. And, and they just blessed me, man, with the opportunity of belief and confidence. You know, everything in life is about confidence, fellas. It's not, the, it's not about anything else. If you're extremely confident, you can do anything you want. If you project the things that you want in life, if you put them out there in the atmosphere, those things will come true. Your words are extremely powerful. So don't miss them. Don't, don't waste them. You know, make sure you say the things that are important that you really want for yourself, your family, your life. And those things will start to fall in place, man. So being able to be in that podcast with, with Bo um, and on the Believe Network was just a, another blessing for me. It wasn't anything that I did. All I, I just, I was me. They actually, the network actually called me and asked me what I do to the podcast. And I was like, yeah, I would love to. You know, I've been telling myself, I had actually put in the atmosphere that I want to get back into doing radio and get back into doing television. And all of a sudden, here it comes. You know, it just came knocking on the door. God, God heard my cries and my calls. And and I got a chance to do this podcast. And, and so far, it's been pretty cool. We're going to shoot the next episode this Thursday, man. So look out. Look out. So um, what are your thoughts on the Ravens this season? J-Dub, that's a good question too, man. Um, I'm, I'm a little bit torn. I'm really am, yeah, man. I'm a little torn when it comes to the Ravens this year. I really felt like the Ravens was a Super Bowl contending team before the, the season started, and I kind of still feel that way. I feel like on paper they're one of the best teams in the league. 
Um, they've had a lot of changes in the organization with coaches and players and, you know, trying to, you know, get new players acclimated to playing in the NFL. And, you know, last year was a horrible year for them. Everybody on the team got hurt. You know, they missed probably about 40 guys that were starters and, and players for them last season. So everybody's finally trying to get back out there and, and recover from the injuries they had the year before. And I think they – I believe in my heart they still got a chance to go and make a run for the Super Bowl. But they got to have Lamar Jackson back. They got to be on all cylinders. Um, Greg Woman, the OC, just he just got to have faith in the guys, man, and just put them in the best situation possible. They got a young D.C., a rookie D.C. Um, this year. And um and he's a dope coach, man. He's been in Baltimore for a while coaching. He went off to Michigan last year and got the D.C. job at the University of Michigan. They balled out at Michigan with him at underneath the helm at D.C. last year. And then the Ravens signed him this year to be his first to be a first year D.C. in the NFL. And he's had, you know, he had he's had big shoes to fill. So it's been a rough year. It started off rough for the defense early on. Now they're rolling on all cylinders, probably top three, top four defenses in the league in the last four or five weeks. If they could keep that up and get Lamar Jackson back and they start putting some points back on the board, man, I think the Ravens got a legitimate shot of actually going again this year. So we'll see. So our last four questions will be rapid-fire questions. And our number one is, what's your favorite stadium you've ever played in? Favorite stadium, M&T Bank. All day, the fans are super, super dope. They're very disciplined. They know when to be loud and they know when to be quiet. And if I had to say number two, I would probably say Seattle. You know, the 12th man is freaking phenomenal. So loud, yeah. Yeah. Uh, who would you say your uh, the toughest player you ever matched up against was? The toughest player I ever matched up against with, I'm going to keep it at home, and I'm going to say Terrell Suggs. Having to block Terrell Suggs every day at practice was rough. He actually changed my game. Iron sharpens iron. He pushed me to be a better player. He he played hard 100 miles per hour every single rep. So I it, it forced me to do the exact same thing. And then a close second would be um, – Probably Ed Reed. Ed Reed was such a phenomenal, phenomenal safety man, and he kept you on your toes all the time. So, what is your favorite moment of your career? The favorite moment of my career, um, I could say probably I don't know. It's so many, man. There's so many great moments that I could think of. Um, you know, from my I, probably the first time I ever got called as a starter in Baltimore. You know, um, I earned it. I put the work in. I had to beat out some guys to get there. I had to gain the faith of a whole coaching staff that didn't even know who the heck I was. And um, when I got to Baltimore, I put the work in in training camp coming from NFL Europe over in Germany. And I played like a whole season that year. But the first year, I mean, I played a whole year of football that year. But that first game of the year, they called my name to come out of the, out of the tunnel as a starter with the smokes, the pyrotechnics, the whole nine yards, man. And, you know, at that point, it had been three years of me being in the NFL and not getting a starting off where, where you get called out and your name, get called on a loudspeaker. You know, having my mom up in the stands to actually hear that and see that and feel that energy, man, was probably one of the most amazing experiences of my life. And to cap it off, uh, what is your favorite sports movie? My favorite sports movie. I got two. It's Any Given Sunday with Jamie Foxx, LL Cool J back in the day. And then it's also, um, this is, this is the, I don't know if y'all ever seen this TV show, this movie called The Program. It was an old football movie back in the day. And it was so funny. It was a linebacker named Khalil Mack. And all he did was talk crap to everybody on the other side of the ball. It was more of a comedy type football movie. But it had some really, 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 real moments that made your heart beat fast and made you feel for the characters at moments, made you want to cry, made you want to laugh. Just a great emotional movie, just like any given Sunday. And then um, I also like the the Venus and Serena story. I thought that was a, a pretty, 
pretty dope movie. I got a chance to take the kids, my two boys, to go see that. I got a 17-year-old and 12-year-old, and I'm always looking for ways to kind of push them and inspire them to try to be the best version of themselves they can be. So that's going to wrap up our interview for you, Daniel. Thank you so, so much for hopping on the show. Have a great rest of your day. Thank you. J-Dub, thank you, man. JC, I appreciate you, man. Keep doing, Keep up the great work. And good luck, man. Anything you guys need from me, stay in touch. Let me know. I'll shoot you my number. Anything I can do to help, you know, let's keep Thank it moving. You so much. We appreciate Thank you coming on, and we'll see you guys in the next one.